Hoi, and welcome back to the Dutch and Scott Sportscast. Today, we are once again focusing on the Netherlands and Scotland. Uh, we'll be again covering all the leagues, our players playing abroad, how you're doing in Europe, uh, any player transfers and our national teams. We hope you enjoy this sixth episode of the Dutch and Scott Sportscast Season 2. start off by talking about both of the leagues in Scotland and the Netherlands. Um, we're going to begin with the SPL and uh, the first game of the weekend was Dundee United versus Livingston. Livingston coming out on top, two goals to one. Uh, a 90th minute winner from Alan Forrest, obviously moving to Livingston from uh, Air United uh, during the summer there. Uh, it's the younger brother of Celtic star James Forrest and actually has better stats than him this season. Uh, one I'm happy about is Aberdeen beating St Mirren 2-1. Um, remember the last minute winner here, St Mirren were actually winning up until the 71st minute when Marley Watkins opened the scoring for Aberdeen. And Lewis Ferguson got the winner in the 90 plus one minute. He's the nephew of Barry Ferguson, do you know him? Barry Ferguson, uh, her name rings a bell, but I uh, cannot point my He's finger. He's ex-Rangers captain, very good player these days. Uh-huh. bit controversial on the Scotland front, but uh, yeah. yeah, good Rangers player. And uh, ex Scotland midfielder Barry Ferguson. He's the current manager's Kelty Hearts. Oh, right. that's uh, the one team that always shows up in Football Manager as well that have invested a lot of money in trying to get into League Two, right? From the. In real life, they're the yeah, exact yeah. same. Yeah. yeah, just big money. Uh, bit of a surprising result, but at the same time, not really. Hibs beating the Hamilton 3 2. The actual result being a Hibs win is not a surprise, but the fact that Hamilton. You know, held them to two goals. It's still a bit of a surprise. Uh, Kevin Nisbet continuing his good form with two goals. Uh, opening and scoring, making it 2-0. Uh, he played for Dunfermline last year. It was very good. And before that, he was with Wraith Rovers in League One. Incredible there as well. He got the tartan boot there. Um, and it was fantastic with Dunfermline last year. I'm, I'm a bit surprised with how easily he's taken on to the Premiership, but certainly good enough. Uh, Paul Hanlon making it 3-0 and then Hamilton pulling back two goals, one of which being an own goal from Ryan Porteous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now on to the two old farm teams. First one being Celtic. who beat St. Johnston 2-0 but it doesn't sound as routine as it actually was. Both the goals came on the 90th and after the 90th minute. Mm-hmm. St. Johnston held him to 0-0 the whole game. Lee Griffiths got his first goal in a while in the Celtic shot in the 90th minute and then Patrick Clamalla, I don't know if you've seen it, he's got a fantastic goal in the 90th plus three. Have you seen it? No, I haven't, on Twitter, unfortunately. Um, yeah, he was played through and he was half to the edge of the box but he got straight back up and carried on running but it passed the keeper. It was, it was very good. Um, yeah, Celtic, a bit poor. Uh, they really need to sort out their form. The old firm's coming up. Mm-hmm. And their form lately hasn't been the best. They've been winning, but it's not been very pretty. 
they've been quite lucky, if I'm honest. And uh, whereas the other counterparts across the across the city, Rangers uh, beat Ross County two 0 as well. Routine James Tavernier penalty, seventeenth minute. Brandon Barker goal in the eighty eighth. Rangers still looking the better side for me. Uh, I think that the old form next weekend is really Rangers to win. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, penalties, right, for Rangers. Yeah, they always get penalties, and then they always complain on Twitter they don't get penalties, so or the referees all against them. But uh, no, they got. Uh, they've had a lot of penalties lately. Uh, it might just be a case of they've got a lot of attackers that are very good and like to wind up the defence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is a famous kind of phrase among Celtic fans where if yeah, someone says, not oh, 1-0 Rangers, who said who scored the penalty? That's the kind of... <laughs> Another right. thing uh, I want to quickly talk about, just talk about the main ones, are the Betfred Cups back, which means the lower league of football got their first competitive games. They were played on Tuesday and Wednesday night this week. Um, they, there wasn't many main results. Dundee beat 4 for and an Athletic beat Hamilton 3-1. All right. Which is a bit of a surprise. And an athletic fact, one of the goal scorers you'll know him, uh, Matthias, is Jack Purdue. Ah, yes. Familiar name. Uh, Familiar FM name. Hero. Yes, yes. FM hero. But he's an ex Morton player, he's now an athletic. He scored when Ham- Hamilton losing 3 uh, 1. Uh, Livingston beat Edinburgh City 5 1. That's a bit of a local ish one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falkirk beat Kilmarnock 3 0, which is a bit of a surprise as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aren't Falkirk uh, League 1 now? Falkirk are still League One, yeah. There's going to be an interesting league to keep an eye on because both Falkirk and Park and Thistle will be going for the title. Yeah. Uh, other results included Hearts being Inverness. I want to talk about, about Morton, Cunha South being Morton, my team, our first competitive match. Uh, we drew 2 2, lost on penalties. So I'm not that upset with it. I saw um, Rabin Omar assist. Rabin Omar assist, Dutch boy, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we've got two goals. Uh, one from Sean McGinty, which is a bit of a surprise. Our centre back and one from Aiden Nesbitt. Not much of a surprise, he's one of our best kind of attacking options. Yeah. Uh, Queen of the South got two one from Stephen Dobie, one from Connor Shields. Uh, we lost some penalties. You can't really grudge that too much. Penalty is really anyone's game. So, as well as, I think it's, it just proved exactly what I think this season is going to be. A lot of defensive issues, but still quite good up front. Um, in terms of results on in the Wednesday, there wasn't many huge notable ones. Uh, Dundee United beat Beacon 6-2, which mm. is a pretty meaty result. But then again, you're, you're talking about Premiership versus League 2 here. Yeah. Uh, uh, and St Mirren beat Partick Thistle 4-1. But aside from that, uh, St Johnson beat, only managed to beat Kelty Hearts 2-1. That was a bit of a surprise there as well. That's the money talking. It's the money talking. Yeah, that's the uh, Scottish roundup. Onto the Dutch. Well, let's head over to the Netherlands then, where uh, on the 2nd of October, the first game of the round was played uh, in the Eredivisie. FC Utrecht, Heerenveen, 1-0. Heerenveen continuing their unbeaten status in the league. Uh, next up, mm. Vitesse, Heracles. 3-0 to Vitesse. After Heracles um, drew 1-0 to PSV at home a week earlier. So it's a setback for Heracles, but also an expected victory for Vitesse. And then 
the next game would have been RKC Baalwijk Pek Zwolle. But, however, it got postponed due to some positive PCR tests, so positive COVID-19 tests in uh, RKC Waalwijk's squad. Uh, well, sad times, I guess. So, Pek Zwolle, um, no game on the weekend against RKC. The next game, VVV Venlo, Ado Den Haag. Uh, a 1-2 victory for the away side, Ado who scored in the last last second of the game to win and to get their first ever victory this season, which could be massive for them because they're really, really having to um, scrape all the points this year, pretty sure. Last year, of course, Alan Pardew's side, all the players that he's brought in have left. Ravel Morrison, who's just joined, hasn't made an appearance yet, but is likely to get in the team at some point. In the next few weeks. Next game. FC Twente, FC Emme. Uh, 1-0. FC Emme also still looking for their first victory of the season. And FC Twente continuing their uh, good run as well. Um, a point for each on the Saturday. And then the biggest upset of the week probably came on the 4th of October. Where FC Groningen beat Ajax 1-0 at home. Um, in a game that was heavily dominated by the side from Groningen. Um, Ajax had uh, very little chances and the chances they had were sloppy. Um, the coach got a lot of criticism for playing Zakaria Labiat as a striker. And Tadic on the wing. Um, which apparently uh, is not the best way to play. Um, as you know Tadic is very, a very physical player. After a shot... yeah. Sorry. Sorry, is there Robin back in the Groningen stage yet? No, he's he's not back yet. He's um slowly getting back there. So he's training. But he's not fit enough yet to play and it might take a while because now they'll take it very slowly with him because they they have to really, really um you know, take care of how we call him the man of glass. So it's going to be an interesting one. Um then probably the game of the weekend, Sparta Rotterdam AZ, AZ. Uh, what seemed to be a routine victory for AZ after they went 4-0 up um, before halftime, even missing a penalty to make it 5-0, turned into a disastrous evening after the game finished 4-0. 4-4 after being 4-0 up at halftime. Uh-huh. Uh, a red card for Asset's keeper uh, made it even more difficult um, after a penalty and a few other opportunities. They uh, they drew 4-0 at the end of this game, which is um, probably one of the most unexpected results uh, of the last few years. Uh, the next result, Feyenoord coming away 4-1 victors against Willem II. Um, not much to say about this game, apart from the fact that Feyenoord utterly dominated Willem II. And the last game of the weekend was PSV Eindhoven, Fortuna Sittard. Um, 2-0, uh, in which the away side had quite a few good opportunities, where PSV were slacking off after going 1-0 up after 4 minutes by Donjal Mala after an Eran Zahavi assist. Uh, poor game, poor game, 2-0. In the end, the victory, 
a clean sheet, three points, that's all that matters in the end. But uh, it's clear that the football needs to be better. Yeah. So that's the roundup for the Eredivisie, which leaves us with the following top six. One, Feyenoord, 10 points. Two, PSV, 10 points. Esse Heerenveen, three, also on 10 points. And then Vitesse and Ajax, four and five, both on nine points. And then FC Twente, who are surprising everyone, uh, eight points out of four games. And then the only point, uh, only team with zero points so far is RKC Balwijk, who are on zero points. Um, like I said last week, they're proving again that they're the favourites to go down. Uh, I forgot to mention regarding the, the Scottish League, it currently stands that Rangers still on top. With a game in hand on 26 points, Celtic second, 25 points, Hibs third, Aberdeen fourth, Kilmarnock fifth, Livingston sixth, Dundee United seventh, Ross County eighth, Motherwell ninth, Hamilton tenth, St Mirren eleven, and St Johnson twelve. Hopefully, um, you can see that Motherwell have turned their form around, as have um, <clears throat> Livingston, uh, St Johnson, St Mirren, Hamilton being the real kind of issues now yeah <laughs> they're not they're both the Saints not doing great yeah hopefully the the, the Paisley Saints will do worse <laughs> the bitterness <laughs> but uh, I mean oh well uh, let's head over to the Kitchen Champions League as I will now start to call it um, I would just quickly talk about a few of the games in this league um, again um, some unfortunate things happened um, I believe I'm not sure where it was but the FC Den Bosch Almere City game was postponed as well due to COVID cases um, because as I've probably said before currently we're not doing too great with COVID in the Netherlands um, so it's no surprise uh, but let's brush over a few games. Go Ahead Eagles, one of the biggest teams in this league, again um, in poor form, losing 2-3 to Jong FC Utrecht at home. On the same day, the 2nd of October, title favorite Nak Breda won 4-0 against Jong Ajax. Still won every game. And then the biggest defeat of the weekend, my, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say beloved, but... For sure, my second favorite team. FC Eindhoven went away to NEC Nijmegen and lost 6-0. Last year, when I visited this game, it was 1-2 to the side from Eindhoven. So unfortunately, um, yeah, a big loss for the Blue and Whites from Eindhoven. Uh, Top Os picked up their first win of the season by beating FC Dordrecht 2-0 on the 5th of October. The Graafschap went away to Excelsior and won 1-2. And then the biggest win so far for SA Cambuur away at Helmond Sport, 1-5. Tonight there's a few more games, or there was supposed to be a few more games. The Graafschap Nak Breda got postponed due to COVID cases once more. And the game that is being played tonight is FC Eindhoven Excelsior at 9 o'clock Dutch time, 8 o'clock British time. That leaves the league table with Nak Breda still going strong. 18 points out of 6 games. And then second place Almere City FC. 13 points out of 5 games. Um, game in hand on Nak so they could also go on 
16 points, which would be an impressive tally. Then third place, no surprise, uh, seeing them up there, Cambuur, 13 points. Fourth place, De Graafschap, 12 points. Fifth place, Rode ESA, 11 points. And then the most surprising team to see here, number six, is Telstar with 10 points. And then bottom of the table, Helmond Sport with four points, who occupy 20th place. Also on four points is Top Os in 19th and FC Dordrecht with four points in 18th. So in the following segment we'll look at some players from our countries playing in different countries. And for me it's always been relatively easy to find some players so this time we just decided to throw the dice and go to a random country in Europe and that country turned out to be Slovakia. And not surprisingly, there is a few Dutch players playing in Slovakia. And the first one that I wanted to talk about is Juri de Kamps. Born in 1992 in Amsterdam. And as you'll see with all my players, they're all from Amsterdam. Having played in the Ajax Youth Academy for a very long time. Playing Young Ajax, moving to Heerenveen uh, on loan, back to Young Ajax. Then playing a little while for Nac Breda. And then in 2015... Um, he made the move, oh no, in 2016, in January, he made the move from Nac Breda to Slovan Bratislava, the team from the capital of Slovakia, and he's been playing there ever since. Currently, he's made 148 appearances for the club from Bratislava, the biggest club from Slovakia. And for Nac Breda, he's played 41 times, um, and for Young Ajax, 23, Heerenveen, 13. He's made one cap for the Netherlands under-21 team, but that's about it. In Slovakia, he's won the league twice, won the cup three times, and that's about it for his um, performances. He's currently 28, so he probably still has a while to go, and he seems to be enjoying his time in Slovakia. The next player playing in Slovakia from the Netherlands is Mitch Apau. Uh, it's all it's all like these players that I vaguely remember from from somewhere. Uh, this is a teammate of Yuri um, de Camps at Slovan Bratislava. Mitch Apau also has Ghanaian dual citizenship, um, but has pretty much lived his entire life in the Netherlands. He was born in Amsterdam in 1990. Started playing for AZ before moving to the Ajax Youth Academy. Um, then he had a few teams. SC Veendam, a team that currently doesn't exist anymore, but pretty much played their entire existence in the Kitchen Champions League. Moving to RKC Waalwijk. Then KVC Westerlo in Belgium, before moving to NK Olympia Ljubljana in Slovenia, not to be mistaken with Slovakia, who we're talking about. And in July of 2018, he moved to Slovan Bratislava, who he's won the league with once, uh, no, twice actually, in two years, and won the cup once. And then he's currently played 46 games for the team from Bratislava, but most games he's played for SC Veendam, 
113. Then probably the player playing for the most interesting team for Dutch players in Slovakia is a guy with the name Ruben Lijon, who was at one point highly regarded, um, a big talent in the Netherlands in the Ajax Youth Academy. Unfortunately for him, it never really came out the way he wanted it to, but spent his entire youth career in the Ajax Youth Academy, played on loan at Nagbreda before making the somewhat um, risky move to Willem II, who Willem II and Nak are bitter rivals. Then on loan again to FC Utrecht before going to Slovan Bratislava in Slovakia, of course, but leaving, going back to Pekswolle, the Graafschap, back to Pekswolle, and now playing for AS Trenčín. Uh, the thing that's interesting about AS Trenčín is that in the past, uh, a lot of Dutch players have played there, and some of the other Dutch players playing in Slovakia play there now, but they're either youngsters or um, haven't really played a lot of games yet, so they weren't as interesting to talk about. But the thing with AS Trenčín is that they're owned and directed by a Dutchman who had also uh, recently been involved with FC Eindhoven. So a lot of players transferred in between the clubs and used to play for Ajax for a very long time. The name Cho Laling um, must ring a bell to some of the older listeners of this podcast, if there even are any. Ruben Lijon is currently played... 27 games for AS Trenčín and has played just as many for Slovan Bratislava. So that is it for the Dutch players in Slovakia. What about the Dutch, um, not the Dutch, the Scottish players abroad? Yeah, I unfortunately don't have as much of a selection as you do. I can just hone in on one country. But uh, there's three big names, well, two big names and one not as big a name. I'm going to talk about, and two of them I'm going to talk about mainly because of the results of the weekend. So the first one is Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay, yeah. Familiar name, familiar name. Familiar name. Plays for Manchester United midfielder. I quite like him. Um, A lot of Scots aren't a big fan of him. Um, I think he's quite good. But mainly, uh, I wanted to kind of focus on his performance within the team. Like, recently, he hasn't been playing as much as he was before that, especially under Jose Mourinho, he's playing a lot more games, but obviously Man United were humped, 6-1. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which you'll remember, by uh, Spurs. Yeah, yeah. A big result. Big, big result. But, uh, the main kind of, they came on at half-time, McTominay, which didn't really change much as it turned out. However, him coming on at half time, they only conceded two from then. Mm-hmm. So what my kind of thoughts with him are is that Manu should definitely be utilising him a lot more, playing him more because he is a lot more defensive, um, and he's quite good at the you know the pivot role on the pitch. Takes a ball, turns, breaks a defence, you know, breaks the press. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Classic CDM. He can play that quite well. So. It's definitely something they should be looking at rather than playing Matic. Yeah, Scott McTominay. Now one I'm a bit more excited about. John McGinn. Where is Super he? John uh, Super John McGinn, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Place for Aston Villa was previously at Hibs and St Mirren. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, he's actually from near where I'm from. Uh, went to like the same school as I did and all that, but he's uh, fantastic. He's I, I think fit. He's probably I think if it wasn't for Robertson, he'd be Scotland's best player. Scotland's second best player. Yeah. Robertson on international level isn't great, but Robertson for what he's done at the club level, you can't deny he's the best. Yeah, no. Uh, but John McGinn, incredible midfielder, can do pretty much anything in the midfield. He can score, his passing's incredible, he's physical. He's an all rounder. He's one of the best players I've seen in a pitch in the Scottish Championship. When he came on against Morton or St Mirren, changed the game. Incredible. Uh, but he was he played a very essential role in Aston Villa's thrashing of Liverpool yeah I mean it was a, an amazing result 7-2 to Aston Villa uh, the, probably the mainstay players would be obviously Jack Greenleaf yeah Ollie Watkins uh, Ross Barkley John McGinn Tyrone Mings and Martinez and goal were probably the best players in the pitch. McGinn was incredible. He's shown exactly what he can do. I think that he's going to go a lot further in the game than he has already. Um, I, I, I think he could easily find to a top six midfielder if he's if he's fit and he continues in the path he's going. He could find to a top six midfield in the Premiership. I agree. Yeah. So super job McGinn. Uh, my third one plays for Forest Green Rovers at the minute, and he currently has the highest chance creation stat in the whole of England. Forest Green Rovers plays for Forest Green Rovers. Uh, interesting team, but uh, tell me, yeah, yeah he has more. You know, he's created more chances than likes De Bruyne and all that. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to see if you can get it from this one clue. You just signed him on FM. Did I? You did. Then he got injured straight away. Oh, Nicky Cadden. Yeah. Nicky Cadden. Uh, I wish he was still playing his trade out at Capelo, but he's not. Uh, played for Morton last year. We signed him from Livingston. Uh, stroke of genius in David Hopkins. He's incredible. Uh, he, he had some big injuries last year, but he was, you know, considering he was out for half the season, he was our top scorer. He had the most assists in the league. He was, yeah, insane. Insane player. And uh, as you probably expect, we lost him off to Forest Green over, but he's been smashing it down there straight into the team. Uh, as I said, most chance creations, and he's definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't know if he'll make it all the way to the Premiership, but I think he'll definitely do bits in the like the kind of Championship League One, League Two. I think he'll definitely do. I mean, if he continues in the path he's going, yeah, he'll definitely do some good stuff there. Definitely a name to keep an eye on. Scotland gave me the chance for my career, but without Scotland, I mean, God knows where I would have been. Yes, I cannot wait uh, to play for the for the club. So now we're going to discuss a little bit about transfers, either involving Dutch or Scottish players, or in other leagues. Uh, obviously, transfer deadline day has just passed uh, for both the Scots and the Dutch, so a lot of stuff to talk about regarding them. I know that uh, Matthijs is buzzing to talk about one transfer in particular but we'll get on to that one all right <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you'll go first yeah. i'll contain yeah, myself he's, he's itching to talk about it here for sure uh, first one 
in Scotland is probably the biggest trans deadline day, uh, transfer deadline day transfer in Scotland was they were laxalt. He's moved from AC Milan to Celtic uh, on loan, but with an option to buy. Uh, apparently, the option to buy is there. Yeah, uh, yeah. He has joined just after Celtic getting uh, AC Milan in the group. Uh, he's had multiple loan deals. He's been, you know, from all across Italy. He's played for Genoa, Inter, AC, Torino, Bologna, and Poli. Uh, he's yeah, he's done everything in Italian football. Uh, left winger, uh, Scott uh, Celtic are probably going to play him in the left wing back position. They've been having a lot of problems with their current left wing back, who is Greg Taylor. He's very negative when he goes forward, passes the ball back all the time. Um, so, chances are he'll be coming in to replace him. Uh, from what I've seen of Diego Hagsalt, he isn't the best in terms of defence. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an interesting character, isn't he? Interesting guy, interesting look. Yeah, because he me, yeah, he's an interesting look, but yeah. Uh, he's... The thing is, is that he, he can play left-back, but he's a left-mid, kind of naturally. Which, in his build, he's not very strong and stuff. So my worry is is that he's going to struggle with the physicality of the Scottish game. Mm-hmm. However, if he uses his pace well, which he does have a lot of, uh, he could smash it up. So it could go either way here, but I think it'll turn out to be an alright transfer for them. I don't think he's going to light the league on fire, but I think he's definitely going to Add a bit of attacking flair to the team. Um, the second transfer was another transfer day signing. This time for Rangers. They signed Bongani Zungu. Some name. Yeah, uh, it's on uh, from, one yeah. to practice. One to practice. One to practice. Bongani Zungu. He's moved on loan from Amiens. Uh, again, with uh, an option to buy uh, there. Yeah. He's played. Uh, he played in South Africa starting his career. He went to uh, Portugal where he played for Colmares and then obviously Amiens and now he's in Rangers. Uh, he plays kind of more a CDM role. Uh, sentiment CDM. He's... Uh, oh, it's actually today's his birthday. Fun fact. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday began his own if you're listening. Yeah. It's kind of what Rangers need. They need a kind of gritty midfielder. Uh, they do have Ryan Jack, but I guess they kind of want to utilise him in other areas of the midfield. So, Bengani uh, Zingu looks apart. He's certainly attracting a whole new audience to Rangers with an abundance of South African football fans. They're flooding the Rangers football club mentions. Uh, so, yeah, one to keep an eye out on. And all about a transfer deadline day drama. In the name of the you know gigantic player that is Wallace Duffy, <laughs> you've heard of him, haven't you? I have, yes. Of course, you've heard of Wallace Duffy. No one else has. Um, he, he he played for Celtic under like the the youth reserves thing. that he went off to St. Johnson. Wasn't great for St. Johnson. He then signed earlier on in the transfer window for Morton on loan, my club. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't like buzzing about it. But it was just good to see a defensive. He's got a centre-back, right-back. It was good to see a defensive uh, acquisition made. But then, about a week later, and even at that, uh, 
it was announced that he'd been recalled from St. Johnson, had been cancelled uh, for non-footballing reasons. So everyone was like, right, okay, that's weird. Uh, and then the transfer deadline day, he moved for apparently £325,000 to Inverness. Oh, all right. Not a bad move. Oh, no, it was free. He moved for free to Inverness. Sorry, he got released. Ah, uh, okay, free. okay, okay. Just very strange. He was on loan at Morton. Then got released. Then got recalled, then got released. Then went to Inverness. Yeah. So, yeah. I wish him absolutely no luck at Inverness. Very salty. Very salty. Um, I don't know. I think he'll do... It's hard to tell from all reports when he moved to Morton. St. Johnson fans weren't mad that he was leaving. They weren't not a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. So, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with, with him. Yeah. The Inverness are definitely one of the teams this year that we went to push and go up. Yeah. And uh, maybe he'll be the, the deciding factor from right back. Of course. I mean, uh, let's hope for them, but not too much. Exactly, exactly. It's all for them, but not so much, Duffy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Now, Matthias is, is very excited. I'll start off slowly. Start uh, slowly, you'll build up to it. Yeah. Um, I need to contain myself there. Now, let's go um, Bruno Martins Indy. Um, I hope yeah. that name still rings a bell. Maybe yeah, the, the iconic the video. Yeah, the yeah, iconic video with the, with the eyes when he got sprayed on. I think it was the World Cup 2014. Yeah, seems yeah, like such a long time ago that he was playing um, for the national team. But he's uh, moved back to the Netherlands, um, previously of Feyenoord, now moved on loan from Stoke to AZ Alkmaar, um, who four four. So there might be a need of uh, of some defending extra players. Um, good on them, I guess. And um, played thirty four times for the national team, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but yeah, it seems like a, a good transfer. Uh, the next one, you'll um, you'll know his name. We've talked about it before, and um, it is Davy Glasse. No, uh, Davy Glasse. Yeah, we talked about him last week as a Dutch player playing in the Bundesliga, or the yeah. week before. I'm not quite sure anymore. Um, but he's uh, moved back to Ajax, back to the Netherlands, um, back to where it all started for him. Um, he was personally very delighted with his transfer back. He's played 16 times for the national team. And uh, now he's going to apply straight back in the Eredivisie. And then uh, we'll come to the to the big news, the news that you've all been waiting for. Marco van Ginkel, back at PSV. Um, oh, what a player! Yeah. <laughs> no, deadline day in Eindhoven was um, relatively insane. Marco van Ginkel came back on loan from Chelsea. He's been there a few times. Then Adrian Fijn uh, from Bayern's second team midfielder as well, uh, with an option to buy at the end of his loan this period. He's been compared to a German Frankie de Jong type. Yeah, crushing midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then probably the the biggest one, Mario Götze, uh, has moved to PSV on a Who? free transfer. Do you know Mario Götze? 
He uh, he scored the one nil against Argentina in the World Cup final of 2014. It's that guy. So he's not done very much then. No, 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 no. Nah, he's only nah, played. Sure. He's only played for Bayern and Dortmund in the Bundesliga and 63 caps for the German national team, scoring 17 goals. They're starting to uh, be a little enclave of Germans at PSV now. With I think yep. six players and about f- like the head coach is German and then four other coaches maybe, but Mario Götze coming to PSV is uh, it's quite insane to me. Um, I'm very happy. Uh, hopefully, he'll be fit and ready to play soon, and I think he can really do a job. Um, in the Dutch press, PSV have immediately been labeled as the the favorites to win the league, which in my opinion is a bit soon but you know it's uh i can't yeah, i can't see them young kind of core so yeah like to got some stuff if you keep him fit he's very good just to clarify i don't know how he got size not for you type of brain or listening i don't know how mario got size anyway, i'm just winding them up a crazy transfer happy with it incredible transfer for three especially deadline day special but um yeah know. if you keep him fit you've got best player in your league yeah uh Let's see uh, what happens with that. Hopefully, um, he'll be decisive in uh, getting us the league this year. <laughs> Let's hope for that. And in the following segment, we'll look and to how our teams have drawn for the Champions League and the Europa League. We talked about the last few rounds, last few qualifying rounds recently. And I believe it was last week, the the rounds or the, the groups were actually decided. There's one of our teams in the Champions League and it's Ajax. And they've been drawn into Group D, uh, one of the toughest groups and teams they could get. In my opinion, the, they were in pot two, got drawn with Liverpool from pot one. Atalanta, um, probably the hardest team you could have drawn from pot three. And FC Micheland, the team from Denmark. Uh, tough group. I think there's a way they can finish this group in second. Um, they've shown before that they can step it up really in these Champions League games. But... Uh, yeah, Michelin should be six points. But then against Atalanta, anything can happen. And I mean, Liverpool is—it's likely that you'll lose two two games. But I mean, do you expect anything from this group? It'll be a tough group, that's for sure. I think your assessment's pretty spot on, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, it's already quite soon that the first games are going to be played. I think yep. um, next weekend. We'll have the return of the the leagues, and after that, I think the first uh, midweek is already international football. So um, it'll be a very thick and fast um, schedule. But hopefully, they can power through. It would be good for Dutch football if they can make the next round again. Then let's quickly head over to the Europa League, where the Netherlands have three teams. From pot one, we had PSV getting in a group with Pauk Thessaloniki, FC Granada, and Omonia Nicosia. 
which is, um, in all due respect, a group which they should be able to finish first in. Although Pauk and Granada could be some tough opponents. Um, Ammonia and Nicosia should also, again, be six points from two games, in my opinion. Any thoughts on this group? Again, yeah. Ammonia and Nicosia should be easy, really. Mm -hmm. After that, you've got... Uh, if fans are allowed, you'd have a few nice away days there. Yeah, I would... I would love to go if if any if everything was normal. I would have booked three trips already. Um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, I think I messaged you right after the draw. Yeah, saying that when you drew Pauk, I thought there's no way because if you we've spoken before about Matthias to strip to Thessaloniki when Pauk won the league, mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, if he gets a Scottish team and a Bulgarian team, he's at the jackpot. Yeah, he's got Matthias his all-time group there. Yeah, but, uh, sad. Yeah, incredible. Well, you know, it's their first time in the Europa League, isn't it? Yeah, Granada have never played in. Um, like oh yeah, yeah, they've never played in uh, in Europe before. Um, yeah. But I mean, they come from La Liga, uh, so it's yeah. always uh, you always have to expect at least something from a team that has qualified from such a division. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be tough, but hopefully, not. I don't think. It's, I think it's definitely. PSV's group to win, really. I don't think there's any kind of viable contenders to the league. Nah, I think uh, yeah, I think they should have it. Um, but Group F, it's probably the hardest group out of um, any of these of the Dutch teams, at least. Uh, it is Napoli, Real Sociedad, AZ Alkmaar, and HNK Rijeka. Um, Napoli, Real Sociedad. I mean. Difficult, difficult teams. La Liga, Serie A, Napoli, of course. Uh, I mean, it's always a contender in these European competitions. And then the big unknown team, Rijeka, a team from Croatia, can always cause an upset. There's obviously the big team, Dinamo Zagreb, but I think the teams below Dinamo Zagreb could just as well um, prove to be difficult opponents for AZ. Especially seeing how AZ have started the league, they really need to find their form. Especially when all these when all these games are coming up, I think they will struggle, and um, I don't think they will make it out of this group, uh, sadly. And the last group where we'll find a Dutch team is Group K, which has CSKA in Moscow, Dynamo Zagreb, Feyenoord, and Wolfsberger AC. Um, it's a tough group to really make any hard comments about. I think any of these four could qualify for the next round. Uh, Wolfsberger, I'd say, is probably the most unknown team, but coming from the Austrian division, uh, teams have caused upsets before. Last year with Las Klins, who were proving to be a very difficult side to play against, and they knocked out AZ and PSV. So I think it will be a very difficult group for Feyenoord, but I think they can make it through. Um... I could also see them finishing third as well. Like last year, they didn't perform very well. But this is a tough group to call. What would you say? Yeah, like you said, I think Wolfsburg will probably have more than... like They'll be underestimated by a lot of clubs and as we've shown in the Europa League before. Uh, that tends to be the club's greatest downfall is underestimating another team, so... Not a tough one. Again, they're not the best of forms, are they? No. Uh, I mean, 
Feyenoord are, they have been very up and down the last few games. Uh, last weekend against Willem II, they won 4-1. They played very well. The weekend before, they won 4-2 against Ado. But, uh, they were very sloppy and it didn't really play a, a very good game. But they were, I mean, the better side. So eventually that kind of came through. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I think it's very difficult to call this one. I... Uh, I wouldn't want to put any money on it. Let's just say that. Yeah, so we had four teams in total in Europe from Scotland, two of which were pre- mentioned in previous podcasts were knocked out, being Motherwell and Aberdeen. Uh, both unlucky, in my opinion. But that's left us with Celtic and Rangers both in the Europa League after Celtic getting knocked out of Champions League contention by Ferdinand Vakarovs. Ferdinand Vakarovs. Thank you. Yeah, you, you know, you know what I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, Rangers, we'll start off with their group, being that their group is, in fact, we were drawn before uh, Celtic's group. Rangers ended up with Benfica, Lech Poznan, Standard Liège. So, obviously, Rangers found themselves in the third pot. Uh, Benfica, obviously, hard. That's a difficult game. Always is going to be a difficult game. Always yeah, will yeah, be a difficult yeah. game. Uh, big club, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, like outside of the main kind of bunch. You know what I mean? Outside of the, you know, they're up there. Benfica are up there with your Ajaxes, your PSVs, your yeah, Grant uh, Mortens. Um, so Kredit Mortens, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Benfica difficult. Like Poznan, and and Standard Standard Liège haven't done great in Belgium lately. Mm-hmm. So. That's a positive. Like Poznan are doing all right in Poland at the minute. Benfica haven't had the best start ever in Portugal. It's very much a group that Rangers can find a way out of. I don't think they'll win it. I think that's Benfica's to win. But I think they could easily find their way second. Um, they're very good in Europe. They've proven that. They beat Galatasaray. I would say Galatasaray are harder than Poznan and Liège. Um, maybe nearly as difficult as Benfica. And they managed to beat them 2-1. So... Um, yeah, I think that Rangers will do well based on the current form, based on European form, based on how Steven Gerrard has done in Europe with them. I think they'll make their way out of that group. How yeah. far after that depends on draws, but I think that's. Would you agree? That's a very yeah, qualifiable. Yeah. Yeah, no. Qualifiable group. I agree for sure. Yeah, yeah. Poznan and Stanley I think they should be really. That should be six points each for Rangers. Benfica. They they could maybe get a draw. They could beat them. They could beat them. Yeah, they need to. One. They need to have a good day, but you know, they can yeah. for sure. Yeah, on to the, I would say the most difficult group in the entire competition. Would you agree? I would. Yes. So Celtic were in pot one, um, so obviously the first one drawn in that group. They managed to get in pot two, Sparta Prague. Difficult. Pot three, AC Milan, and pot four, Lille. Yeah, and it's. It's it's really the unluckiest draw they could have had. When they got Sparta Prague, I thought, right, that's difficult, but it's not, you know, the worst they could have got. There was, of course, in part two, the likes of Leicester City, Real Sociedad and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they ended up with Sparta Prague. I thought that's good. Then they got AC Milan. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, oh no. So, AC Milan, and actually the hardest team there, in my opinion, is Lille. Uh, Lille have been overperforming 
in the last few years in the French League. Of course, it's hard to really have any sort of highlights in any team in France other than PSG. Yeah. Um, PSG, Lille and, well, Lyon and Marseille always seem to steal all the limelight. But Lille have been playing fantastic. They have some really, really good players. And I think that they're a team that Celtic certainly should not underestimate. And I think they'll be the hardest ones to break down. Milan have had some very well-documented issues as of late in performance. Yes. Um, so it just depends with AC Milan. I think obviously they still have Zlatan Ibrahimovic up front for all his age. He's still class, class, you know. He's still scoring in Italy often. Um, and they've got a bunch of other really good players like Frank Chiesi. They have also the Roman goal. They have Roman Goli. Um, they have some really, really nice players. And I think that Milan will be difficult. Same with Lille. Sparta Prague. Another team that they're just good, aren't they? They're just one of these Eastern European teams that just always seem to be there or thereabouts in the Europa League. Yeah. And no matter what, they're going to be a challenge for Celtic. So I don't think Celtic are going to get out of the group, if I'm being honest. And I'm, think... I'm someone who I think it's been, I don't know if it's been made clear in the podcast, I do sway to the side of Celtic and the Celtic Rangers argument. Uh, however, right now, Rangers are a far better team. I think they're they're very much up against it in this group. Like yeah. I said, they're probably yeah. one of the unluckiest draws they could have had. Um, yeah, it's a hard group. Really. Yeah. Celtic aren't on great form. For all they're doing, they're you know second in the league with a game in hand. They haven't played well. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the European qualifiers. They got beat by Fenerbahce Cross. I know that's the wrong way, but say, but just go with it. Go with it. <laughs> uh, they beat Riga one 0 in the last minute. They beat Sarajevo 1-0 in the last minute. They haven't been great. Yeah, I think in, I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah. In, in the actual league as well, we've, we've, we've spoken about it. In the podcast, they haven't been playing great. They haven't been scoring loads. Um, there's been some real issues, you know. In terms of signings, they signed Shane Duffy. He's not been great. They, they, he's very hyped up, but he's not been great. Um, they, they have a lot a lot of problems at the minute. They're not playing very good football. I don't think Neil Lennon is a very good manager. Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's, I'm comparing them to Rangers. The Rangers got a much easier group. That has to be highlighted. Uh, but Celtic, I don't think they've got to end them to make out the group. I hope they surprise me. It'd be great for the coefficient. It'd be great for Glasgow. It'd be great for a lot of my pals who are Celtic fans. But mm, I, don't, I don't think they've got to end them to beat to come out anywhere on top but then again last season they did beat uh, Lazio true uh, they did beat Lazio to the group but... but they had a lot of supporters away and at yeah. home and I think, I think that will also make a big difference especially for Celtic yeah the mental side of the things that the, the supporters bring for Celtic certainly does influence it in Europe I think a lot of European teams aren't used to that intensity of support that you get at Celtic Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Rangers, but you get that uh, Celtic has been particularly prolific in the last few years. Uh, but I think that they will struggle. If they manage to get out, that's great. They do have the quality on the pitch to get out of that group. I don't think that tactically uh, their manager is good enough to get them out of that group. I think that's what it comes down to, if I'm being brutally honest with you. I think the goalkeeper-wise, Barkas, he's been all right. He's proven with AAK Athens in the past that he is good. So, you know, uh, defence, they've got the players. They've got the likes of Hudson Edward, who I think could easily slot into the Premier League. Um, 
you know, if they play David Turnbull, he's fantastic. They've got some good defenders. Ayers wanted by Milan because he's very good. Julian's good. Duffy, he's not been great, but he is good. Uh, Frank Pong has spoken about him in the past. Good. They have the players. They don't have the tactics or, frankly, the bottle anymore to, I think, get that group. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, to conclude this section, funny story uh, about Vasilios Barkas. I don't know if you know, okay. but he was actually born in the Netherlands. Oh, was he? Yeah. He's uh, yeah. half Dutch. Um, plays for the Greek national team, though. So I cannot claim him for the sections. But yeah, I just wanted to I mean, he's been, throw he, it out there. He's been all right for Celtic. Uh, he's, he's not been as good as Fraser Foster, but he never was going to be as good as Fraser Foster was. Um, I think he got a lot of stick early on, which I think affected him mentally. Judging by interviews and stuff he's had, um, that is something that Scottish fans as a whole are bad for doing, and that is just leaping onto teams and players having a poor performance or not doing something they like. We're quite brutal with that, and I um, don't know what it's like in Greece, but clearly Barkas got didn't like it very much. final section we're going to look at our national teams uh, I don't really have a lot to say about the Dutch national team only thing is that um, our new coach Frank de Boer had his debut and we played against Mexico which uh, we lost 1-0 due to a penalty um, the guy who got the penalty was actually in an offside position but I guess that's redemption for the penalty that Arjen Robben got uh, on the World Cup um, he played with uh, an interesting lineup. For example, Krull, uh, the goalkeeper from Norwich, made a start. Um, he made uh, he gave a debut to two AZ players, which was also surprising since AZ are not in the best of form right now. Uh, but the highest probability for all these changes is the fact that on I think it's tomorrow. No, Sunday, the eleventh. And then somewhere midweek, there's games scheduled for the Nations League. And the Netherlands are playing away at Bosnia and Herzegovina and away to Italy. Uh, two games. Uh, relatively difficult. Italy was a team that beat the Netherlands in Amsterdam the start of September. Which was a very poor game by the Dutch. And uh, I mean, the, the group is still open. Two wins here uh, would put the Dutch um, uh, first in this group. But we'll see what happens. We'll have more to talk about next week when these games have been played. But there is bigger news when it comes to Scotland and national football. So I'll give it over. There is indeed. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll take it back a wee bit. We got the... Uh, selection advice, you know, the selection, the team selections from the like, you know, the twenty-three squad. Yeah. Uh, it was decent this time. There wasn't as many complaints. 
the one thing I would say is I would rather see Billy Gilmore and stuff again to the squad. I think we should really be following the likes of Wales and France and giving our youth um, debuts and call-ups and stuff earlier on. But, you know, that's another story. Uh, we're going to get talking about the actual game. We played Israel yesterday, Wednesday, um, Thursday, sorry, in the playoff for the Euros. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Nations League, that is. Uh, prior to it, there was some more selection issues due to COVID-19. Uh, Stuart Armstrong tested positive, which meant that Stuart Armstrong, of Southampton, uh, had to couldn't, had to be drawn out of the squad. Uh, alongside him, there was also Kieran Tierney and Ryan Christie, so some major players in the Scotland squad couldn't play. Um, the squad we actually put out, or also Liam Palmer too, the squad we actually put out was good. The game was awful. <laughs> uh, we went to extra time, nil no. Scotland didn't register a shot on target other than a penalty. God awful. Uh, went to penalties, and yeah, we won. Thanks to a Zahavi miss, which Matthias will be happy about. Uh, New PSV striker for anyone that doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we Yeah, so, I mean, it's huge for us. Uh, it means they're only one more game away from the Euros, which will be my first, uh, my first experience of seeing my country in a major tournament. Uh, yeah. Matthias always goes on about, oh man, it was so sad watching my team lose the World Cup final. It's like, well, you know, you made it to a World <laughs> Cup. Uh, I was actually no. stranger to not participate in these tournaments. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you didn't participate for it, yeah, you know how I felt for you. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we are against uh, Serbia next on the 12th of November. Tough game. I was more afraid of Norway. I said this to Matthias last night, he was surprised to hear that. He thinks Serbia is a harder squad. Um, however, I think Norway. Uh, I was mainly worried about our two centre backs having to deal with Erling Haaland, if I'm honest with you. But yeah. you know, Serbia are tough all around. They have players like their midfield in particular is terrifying. I think, like what you said, that, that Norway might have the more famous uh, individual players, um, which yeah. consists of like maybe two or three. But I think as a whole, the Serbia squad is stronger. Yes. Uh, I think Serbia, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to be hard to play against. They have, um, you know, Blankovic, Savic, Tadic, Maksinovic, they have Mitrovic, they have Kolarov. They've got a quite a hard squad. Um, whereas, well, Scotland have a strong squad. We just... I mean, I'm not I disagreeing mean, with that, but I think, you know, for the biggest game in Scotland's recent history... I, mean, I think head to head, I mean, we have more English Premier League players than the Serbian squad has. Yeah, but they also have players yeah. playing in La Liga and Serie A and in France. But if we, the way I see Germany. it is if our players actually turn up. The Andrew Robertson never turns up for Scotland. I love Andrew Robertson, but he never turns up for Scotland. I don't think he's put in one good performance in a Scotland shot. If he turns up, he's the best left back in the world. I mean, the thing is, you need, it's one game, you need one good performance, so anything can happen. Yeah. It's like, it's still football, but. Well, that's true. We've got, you know, Andrew Robertson has class. Lee Cooper's been putting in good performances for Leeds. Mm-hmm. McKenna, when he's fit, is good. He's off to Nottingham Forest, but he's also very good. 
right back, shocking. Palmer isn't great, right? We know that. Neither is Stephen Hadoro. Uh, midfield wise, John McGinn on his day, we spoke about him earlier. Incredible player. Yeah. When he's fit, he's incredible. Stuart Armstrong, brilliant when he's fit. Ryan Jack, brilliant when he's fit. You know, there, there's so many good players. Scott McTominay, who, when he puts in a good performance, is class. We've seen that with Man United. You know, attacking wise, we have options. You know, we have big, we don't utilise our players. We've got big, strong strikers in Lyndon Dykes and all at McBurney, but we don't utilise them at all. Yeah. We don't use it one bit, which if we did, we would be fantastic, but we don't. We've also got, you know, pace on the wings. James Forrest, Ryan, Fra- uh, Ryan Fraser. Forrest has been bad this season. But again, if he turns up for one game, he's. Well, I've seen him put in incredible performances for Scotland. You know, prior to John McGinn, he was the last person to score a hat-trick in a Scotland shot against Israel as well. He, he can be fantastic. Ryan Fraser can be fantastic too. So, yeah, I think that we certainly do have the quality to beat Serbia. I think a lot of negative stuff's been going on, on Twitter about how oh, we're up against it with Serbia because they've got this guy, they've got that guy. I would say Tadic, Milinkovic, Savic are the only two in that squad who are head-to-head better than anyone in the Scotland squad. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, if you were to compare them to, you know, Milinkovic, Savic is the best midfielder out of the two teams. Tadic is the best kind of attacking player of the two teams, granted. But, you know, I wouldn't, Andrew Robertson's better goalkeeper-wise we're a bit meh I'll admit that but David Marshall put in a fantastic performance against Israel if he's not fit John McLaughlin's been playing fantastic for Rangers if he's not fit Robin McCrory probably wouldn't do a great job in this sort of level but he will become fantastic I, I think we're in a better position than people think we're in we'll have to wait Plus, and see what happens I mean of course we're hoping for a Scotland win yeah I mean to add to that as well the record that Steve Clark has under is he plays god awful boring football unbelievably boring football a lot of people hate it <laughs> it makes us look like we're getting lucky against teams but we've went six unbeaten and the only two teams that Steve Clark's lost to are Belgium mm-hmm. and Russia Russia who shortly after that loss uh, were found guilty of doping charges by WADA uh. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that they were doping specifically for the Scotland game, but, you know, they're cheating, so who knows what else they've done. And Belgium, who I was at that game, and I can tell you right now, that performance by Kevin De Bruyne in that game is the best live performance I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is world-class, and if he turns up, he turns up. They played in the wing, and no one got near him. Yeah. I wasn't even mad when we lost, because I was like, you can't play against that. It's the best live performance I've seen. Incredible. Yeah, it's very good. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed. We'll be releasing a similar pod as usual each Thursday. Uh, And then our general football ones will be bi-weekly on a Monday as our aim for that one. But until then, goodbye. Do it.